Welcome to Rewired, a podcast where we discuss our own journeys with an eating disorder and how we rewired our brains away from an ED mindset to full recovery. We will also be joined by inspirational guests who share their experience, knowledge and advice to give hope and show that recovery is possible. Hi, I'm Sophia. And I'm Meg. Welcome to the Rewired podcast. Hi, welcome back to the Rewired podcast with Meg and Sphere. Today we are talking about a topic so close to our hearts. It was something that we are so grateful for recovering from our eating disorder and able to do, and that is getting pregnant and motherhood. So today we're going to be talking all things kids, conceiving, going through the pregnancy, and now being mothers. So to kick off, we're going to start with our pregnancy stories. Uh, So Meg, do you want to get started first? Yeah, thanks, Sophia. I think it'll be really interesting to talk about because from what I know about both of our stories and experiences, I think we've both faced different challenges throughout the journey of conception and being pregnant and having babies. So interesting to see with an eating disorder history, how we both experienced pregnancy so differently. Yeah, didn't you go to the doctors and then they were like, oh, and you were thinking about talking about getting pregnant and they were like, actually, you're pregnant? Yeah, well, I actually went because I'd had a cyst and they were like, I'll oh, come back in six weeks and check if you've still got the cyst. And I came back six weeks later and I was pregnant then. <laughs> That's quite a cool story, though. <laughs> it was quite a surprise. Yeah. And I did not realize at all at the time how lucky we were to get pregnant that quickly. That was our first little baby boy um, called Alfie, who was really sadly stillborn. So we had him in March 2020. And I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, you will know this already. And After having Alfie, we then spent 18 months trying to conceive again, and we had three miscarriages in that time, and then conceived Freddie, who is our little baby who has sat with me now, actually. He is now four months old, and (laughs) this happened in a previous episode, but I have to make an apology in advance if you hear baby noises, because my husband still has COVID and is isolating in one of the bedrooms in our house And so I am trying to record the podcast with Freddie. So you might hear little squawks in the background. Yeah, so that's our journey, which has been filled with a lot of stress and grief, but also so much joy and so much love for both of our boys. I I feel like my heart has completely exploded with love for them. And in this episode, I'm just going to be focusing on my motherhood experience from the perspective of having had an eating disorder. So with my recovery hat on, as opposed to talking about it, from the experience of having had loss. So what about you, Sophia? I resonate with so much of that, but before I go on, I just wanna say thank you for being so vulnerable with your story and there will be people out there who really relate to that. So thank you for being so honest because it will make them feel that they're not alone. And welcome Freddie back again, the youngest member of the Rewired podcast team. So we love your little noises. So you crack on with those. I did find it really hard to get pregnant, to be honest. Um, It took me a long time. And after recovering, I did try for about six months to get pregnant, actually, and it didn't happen. And it was really upsetting and really disappointing each month finding out that I wasn't pregnant because I was like, I've done all this work to recover and I'm still not getting pregnant. And it was a real challenge. And to be honest, like people were asking me as well, like, are you pregnant? Because when you're married, that's the next thing that pops along. But thinking back on it, even when I had my eating disorder, people would ask me if I was pregnant. And I think that might just because, you know, I had bloating issues or whatever. So it's always something that's been a bit of a trigger. um, People asking me if I am. 
So anyway, after six months of trying in a recovered state, I went down the fertility route and tried IUI and IVF. And anybody who's done those fertility treatments knows it's not easy, but you crack on. And unfortunately, they didn't work. So I decided to take a break from work because I was in that position that I was fortunate to do. And I know a lot of people are not in that place, but I decided to take a break. And then after the summer, I would try again to get pregnant. And I was really lucky that the next month I actually got pregnant naturally. And I don't know whether it was my body just kind of relaxing or in that space or it was just right timing, but I was really, really fortunate. And it was a beautiful pregnancy So that was my first one. That's my little girl. She's just over two years old. Um, And now I've got a son as well, who's seven and a half months. So definitely got my hands full, lots of joy, lots of challenges, but yeah, definitely busy, but loving life. It's so interesting what you said there about feeling like your body might have relaxed a bit over the summer when the pressure was taken off, because I know one of the things we've both found with trying to conceive is how stressful the messaging is around there about things that you can supposedly do to get pregnant, like eat this, don't eat that, do this, don't do that. I feel like some of it's just so toxic and it can be so damaging. Like personally, I tried to kind of avoid that advice because I know that overall it would actually put me in a worse place physically and mentally. And also like give me a false sense of control over something that I really didn't have any control over. And I feel like that's really hard when you're so desperate to get pregnant is that you do feel like you'll do anything but I kind of had to question is this really going to help my fertility if I'm engaging in behaviors which are just going to create stress and disorder in my life especially with my history. Absolutely I mean there are so many books and videos and people's experiences that will give you what sounds kind of orthorexic messaging around what you should eat or what exercise you should do or I don't know what mantra you should do, but at the end of the day, it's not in your control, number one. You can do everything you can to recover and you get your body to a place where it's happy and your mind in a place where it's relaxed. But at the end of the day, you can't control when you're going to get pregnant. Also, this is when what you always say in your videos, Meg, of different bodies, different parts is so important. For some people, eating whatever is going to get might get them pregnant that might be their experience and we can't invalidate that but for me I had to eat all the foods that I feared in order to get pregnant to get my periods in the first place in order to get to a place where even pregnancy was an option so cutting out all of those fear foods would take me back it wouldn't be taking me forwards so reminding yourself different bodies different paths you are somebody who's recovered from an eating disorder so it's really important that you keep all those fear foods in because at the end of the day you're also becoming a mother and if you take out all of those fear foods now when the baby's here it's going to be really hard to take away all those rules and those rigidities so it's important not to reduce your diet down I think yeah absolutely like the goal isn't just to get pregnant yes It's also to be the mother you want to be, the parent you want to be, the role model you want to be for your child. And just think how best you can do that, really. Yeah, I actually read a book when I was trying to conceive, just again, in desperation, like what could I possibly do? And it was a book about improving your chances. And it was pretty much a manual for orthorexia, like you're saying. And in my ink disorder, I actually didn't have orthorexic tendencies. But reading this book, I thought, 
what an absolute trap that is like again a very vulnerable population that so desperately want this thing and you feel like I would do anything in the world to get pregnant and here is a list of all these things that you could supposedly do but as I read them I thought if I do those things that will destroy my life Mm, absolutely again once again I would fall back into a hole of an eating disorder with rules rigidities fears and inability to socialize and I think that's part of the personality generally people with eating disorders I find that a lot of us are perfectionists we want to do things to the absolute best of our ability and that can go into the diet and then very much black and white thinking and so other people might pick up that book you were talking about and be like oh maybe I should eat a bit more veg or a bit more fruit or whatever but they're still gonna like eat normal foods most of the time whereas with us because we want to do something we we want to do the best for our baby everybody wants to do the best for their baby but we will feel like we need to follow every you know letter exactly then we will take that as gospel. So I think, yes, realizing where your journey is, where you've come from and what you need to do to stay healthy for you. Yeah, absolutely. If I'd have read, I don't know, wearing green knickers is going to help. I'd have gone out for all the green knickers. You know? Absolutely. Like, if someone said, don't take the bins out, I'd never have taken the bins out again. That's right. But knowing myself, like I'm actually not a person that can take those kind of rules on because I would take them to the extreme and what's given as perhaps healthy advice I would make unhealthy by doing it in such an excessive and exclusive way that's such a good way of saying it making that healthy advice unhealthy in this book that I read as well at the end of one of the chapters it said something like it was talking about cutting something out of your diet but it actually said there is no research to suggest that cutting this out of your diet will help in any way but if you want to leave a no stones unturned approach, why not give it a go? And I just thought how horrendous in a book to be giving advice about something that there is no evidence to suggest that it helps. And again, if I started cutting things out of my diet, far from helping, it would just destroy things, you know, my relationships, my interest in life, my personality, my mental health, my social health, my emotional health, you know, like we're so much more than physical beings and we're so much more than someone just trying to conceive and I think you need to look at your health in every aspect if you are somebody that feels you do need advice around fertility or when you're pregnant you want to make sure that you're eating what you need for your baby then the best thing is to go to a dietitian that is trained for working with somebody with eating disorders would you agree I think that somebody specific for that is really important I think we both did didn't we in both of our pregnancies we went to see a dietitian specialized in eating disorders. Yes. And there is a difference between somebody who's not trained in that. And we are fortunate that we were able to do that. But there's also loads of other amazing people out there, Christy Harrison, uh, Dr. Joshua Woolwich, who really do support people that have had eating disorders. And they take that into account when giving their advice. Oh, did you disclose having an eating disorder to your treatment teams whilst you're pregnant? I did. Yeah, I did really, really early on. And I think that's for two reasons. Firstly, I think for so long with my eating disorder, it was just full of so much shame. And I was so embarrassed about the fact that I suffered from an eating disorder. So when like my doctor or midwife said to me, oh, what, you've had osteoporosis or that's weird. How come you've had that? I just feel like I wanted to be honest because actually I'm really proud of being a recovered person. Going through an eating disorder 
is literally the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And recovering is the toughest thing I've had to do, but it's the best thing I've ever done. So when I'm given the opportunity, I will tell them. And I think then it kind of raises awareness for anybody else as well. And then secondly, I think sometimes healthcare professionals can make accidental flippant comments. And so it just kind of protects you a little bit. Like maybe you don't want to be weighed and you don't want to be, you don't want them to talk about your weight too much. And they'll just be a bit more aware of that. Did you tell your healthcare professionals? Yes, I did all the way through my pregnancies, I guess for the same reasons as you and like, good for you telling people because I know that exact feeling of like it feels a bit awkward doesn't it to admit sometimes that you've had an eating disorder in your history but I agree like it is something to be proud of to be where you are. I think there's so much stigma around mental health and yet so many people struggle with mental health so the more we talk about it the less shame we will feel because you're really not the only person who's suffering so yeah and I also did a birthing course and in the which was awesome by the way but in the birthing course there was a part about making sure you exercise this many times a week and this amount and eating these foods and I did tell the coordinator like this is my history and she was like you know what I don't mean it to be so black and white and rule orientated but other people won't take from that that they have to stick to everything by the letter so I think it's really good being open and honest with the professionals and it's only going to help you in your journey um, when you're pregnant yeah and that different bodies different paths like knowing yourself and knowing if you read a list of why not exercise this amount and eat this and eat that like you know your own history and your own predisposition your own genetics your own health legacy basically like you know how you need to protect yourself and yeah like kind of interpret things accordingly did you find it helpful reaching out to people during your pregnancy? Because I know that I like, would speak to my husband and I think like he knows that if he saw something that that would be a red flag sort of thing. And we just made sure that we were always going out to eat still, keeping all of the things in the diet and not going down that orthorexic route was something I think that he's really conscious of. Yeah, definitely being open with people. And I think you can almost be a bit embarrassed that like your recovery is not strong enough or something like that. Like you don't want to admit, oh, I'm struggling hearing oh, me reading that book. I'm struggling reading that I should eat X, Y, Z and it doesn't match to what I actually do eat because you think, oh, well, I'm not recovered enough. But actually, I think like you're so recovered that you're protecting yourself in that way. And lots of people struggle with things like that. So I've spoken to friends who don't have eating disorder histories and during their pregnancy have mentioned to me like they struggled with the weight gain. For example, one friend in particular said she struggled at the beginning with the weight gain before she had a bump because it didn't look like she was visibly pregnant, but it did look like she'd gained weight and she said she found that hard. So I think some things are just difficult for people to experience messaging around food, changes in your body, that kind of thing. But it's to me anyway, it's more about it's okay to feel uncomfortable or it is okay to think, oh yeah, I'm not comfortable with this weight gain or I'm, I've heard this message about what I should eat and that's kind of triggered something for me. But to me, it was always about not acting on it and telling people around me because eating disorders thrive in th- secrecy. So not having that level of shame, but being like, oh, I've heard this message. That's really triggered a thought in my head. Now I'm going to do opposite actions to it. Absolutely, because we're recovering not into a society that is devoid of diet culture and we are also recovering into a society that is still about appearances and being able to comment about appearances how much you know women whilst they're pregnant are commented on oh you're all bump or you're you know you're not 
put on weight anywhere else that's amazing or from the back I can't even tell you're pregnant or yes or the opposite like are you sure you haven't got twins in there <laughs> or are you sure you're not a bit further along like this is something that everybody gets commented on and it's something that I think women struggle with all the time and I think it, it also then postpartum you're also dealing with those comments so I think be kind to yourself talk to other people don't feel like I'm not recovered enough because I can't bat away every comment women generally will find those comments tough and that's okay because we're human yeah you can feel uncomfortable just don't act on it I found even hearing people comment about other pregnant people difficult because then I kind of knew oh well that's what people talk about and like that Instagram image of a person that's pregnant with just a kind of like bowling ball in their belly you know (laughs) and and the thing is you don't even know what's gone on behind the scenes for that you don't know how much it's been photoshopped and you know how much their bump has been oiled up and everything to get to that point but also even if that is their reality even if they are just they do have that bowling ball bump that doesn't mean that your body has to react in that way all of our bodies are amazing all of them are unique they're all growing these incredible little beings so I must say for me my body image has never been as good as when I was pregnant weirdly because I was literally just so in awe of my body of what it was doing I just everything you know, was all about fueling my body so that this baby could grow into the best it could be. But at the same time, I wasn't orthorexic in my eating. I was eating everything because I wanted a relaxed mind. I wanted to enjoy it. I just enjoyed my pregnancy so much. Sounds like you were kind of like liberated. Yeah, it was because there was so much of a less, fo- it wasn't a focus on how my body looked anymore. It was what my body was able to do and allow me to experience. I felt like I had a little miracle inside me and I felt like I was never alone like you know do you know what I mean did you ever feel that way how did you find your pregnancy body image wise well interestingly I think this is where we've had quite different experiences with our pregnancies so I didn't feel like that so much during pregnancy and I felt like it more after I'd had the baby I don't know if I just didn't quite believe all along the way and then of course being pregnant with Freddie like we'd been through the loss of Alfie so I had it was emotionally a very complicated pregnancy not to do with eating disorder like to do with being pregnant after having a loss so I feel like my pregnancies I almost had a lot of denial like I didn't even really believe that there was a baby in there versus once I'd had it I think that's when I got hit by that wow like that miraculous look what my body's just done look at this human I think that's where I've probably the most liberated I've ever felt around food in my body was after having the baby That's amazing. I think you obviously have had a really challenging journey. So that's one thing. But I think also generally a lot of women are not happy when they're pregnant. And that, you know, they just struggle with their body image, the changing body, not being in control, feeling sick sometimes, feeling too full, having digestion issues. And that doesn't make you any less loving of a mother. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that baby is not absolutely lucky to have you. That's interesting you say that because that I had so much guilt when I was pregnant that I didn't love my babies enough because I didn't have that overwhelming experience of like, I have this incredible being growing inside me. I had that more having the baby, but my overriding feeling during pregnancy was just how out of control everything felt. I just, I, my body has never felt so much more powerful than me 
and again having that history of an eating disorder like it was so at odds with how I'd been used to controlling my body in the past and then suddenly here I had this body that I needed to eat every single hour I literally could not go more than an hour without food and everything I wanted to eat was like carbs basically like crisps chips bread (laughs) salt everything salty and that was a really unusual experience for me and then the weight gain as well like my body just gained weight on its own like in my recovery I was weight suppressed in my eating disorder so part of my recovery was unsuppressing my body weight and I actively tried to gain weight to do that yet here I was in pregnancy my body was just gaining weight all on its own so it was this whole new experience for me that just felt honestly it felt out of control and throughout the pregnancy I just felt like I had to surrender I just had to hand it over to my body and be like you do it you know I think so many people are going to resonate with what you just said because I think that's a reality for so many people whether they've had an eating disorder or not I feel like pregnancy for me was like almost like the ultimate test of my recovery like well not the ultimate test like to put into practice everything I'd be doing in my recovery but times a million exactly it was like another level of surrendering and handing things over to my body and in a different way to during recovery you know like you experience extreme hunger during recovery or complete obsessions with food once you introduce them into your diet and you just eat them and eat them and eat them and have to trust that that's going to neutralize one day you know I think I'd had those kind of experiences and then here I was going through pregnancy with my body throwing up all this new like out of control feelings for me I agree with you so for me I don't want to paint it as all rosy because I actually struggled after I had my baby and again guilt and I think that's just like the life of a mother I'm pretty sure again whether you've had an eating disorder or not you feel guilty when you've got the kids for so many different reasons and I think as people who have had eating disorders, we set such high standards for ourselves because that's usually part of our personalities. So to not feel perfect and to not have this picture-perfect image that we create in our mind of what motherhood is, I think we can be really hard on ourselves. So I found it hard because, I don't know, like, the you know, my first one, the birth wasn't easy. I My body was, you know, in a bit of pain. I felt completely out of control I no longer had this little miracle inside me this beautiful baby was outside of me but my body had completely changed my life had completely changed and I think a lot of mothers will really resonate with that the fact that you don't actually realize how much your life is going to be turned upside down until it happens so I think all those feelings feeling out of control I did cling on to some of my old rules to try and keep me safe And I really am thankful for firstly being able to reach out to a really close friend, Florence, who's a mutual friend of ours, to talk about how I was feeling. People might actually know Florence. She's on the All In podcast with Nicola Ronaldo. She's awesome. So she works with people with um, body image issues and she was just checking up on me weekly from then on. And then I also touched base with my therapist and got in contact with her and started going to sessions just to make sure that I stayed in a recovered place. And that was really, really helpful. And I know I'm in a fortunate place that I have friends that I can reach out to and a therapist that I can reach out to. But that's something I would really recommend is being able to talk to people um, when you are struggling. Because to be honest, I did get compliments for how I was looking. So again, it's that 
thing that we talk about how you could kind of coast along and nobody would know any different but if you know what's going on in your mind if those rules and those thoughts and that rigidity and that little dictator in your mind is starting to come back that's not how you want to live your life you worked so hard to be in a recovered place you, you don't want to let that slip it's so true disorder like it doesn't need to be visible to other people like if it's an issue for you if it's impairing your life if it's ruining your experience of this miracle baby like that's enough that's valid enough for you to deserve whatever it is whatever stage recovery (laughs) it's like I agree too Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, do you know what I added to the situation for me is two things. I think firstly, the joys of COVID, literally the day that my daughter was born, lockdown happened. So I think that made me feel really out of control. And so many people were struggling with their mental health at that time. So that was a big change. And then also my kids, bless them, have got quite serious allergies. So because I was breastfeeding them, I had to avoid loads of the fear foods that I'd worked so hard to put in. So that was really weird for me because all of a sudden I had to then look at ingredients again and I had to say no I can't eat that and I hate that but I learned so much from that experience with my daughter that now my son bless him also has the same allergies and I've had to avoid some of the foods but I know how to protect myself now I I make sure that I keep all the foods in Um, in terms of of course not having the allergens but having the alternatives we live in a world where there's so many varieties of food so making sure that those fear foods are still in my diet as much as possible is really important and keeping it clear in my mind that as soon as I stop breastfeeding that I will be including them back in yeah what you're saying there of like including the foods as soon as you're able to that's I think true during kind of trimester one trimester two as well a really good point actually because in trimester one there's so many foods that you can't eat because of the nausea or you know so yeah making sure that if you couldn't eat a certain food making sure when you are feeling better again that you do include it yeah as soon as you're able to include it get it back into your diet again and it sounds like for your experience postpartum like some of what you're experiencing was just feeling out of control yourself like with lockdown happening that kind of thing and hello coping mechanism for control but then some of it was also out of your hands, like unintentional. You you were had restrictions placed on your diet with without intention at all. What would you say was really helpful in your postpartum to kind of keep you as calm as possible and make you feel healthy and then keep you in a recovered place? So I think a big trigger point eating disorder wise can be your body postpartum. Like actually, to be honest, it's big in society generally. Like you hear phrases like of oh, people snapping back or comments about when people fitted into their genes, like how long after having a baby they were back in their genes, you know. And so I think before I had Alfie and Freddie, I just thought to myself, like, you know what, this just doesn't apply to me. I put all of my genes away. I was like, the last thing I want to be thinking about after having my beautiful babies is if I'm going to fit into my genes again or when that's going to happen. So I think it really helped me to like focus on my values and think about what's most important to me in the newborn period. Like, is it restricting food to fit a pair of jeans again? Or is it being 100% available and present for my babies? You know, because I can't, I, I can't do both. And I wanted Freddie to have all of me. So yeah, the two were incompatible. Definitely. And something I found triggering, I don't know if you did, was that, you know, in the beginning, when the baby's first born, you take so many extra photos of you with the baby. And I remember being really 
triggered by some of the photos of yeah I guess when you're pregnant you've got this kind of miracle inside you and you can kind of you I just never even for me I didn't even really look at my body size because I was just so amazed and in awe of this baby but then I guess when the baby's no longer in you it's that idea that oh my body is not back to how it was but I think trying to focus back on the fact that you have literally just given birth you have just done the most miraculous thing ever your body is not gonna go back and it probably never will my you know it probably will never go back to how it was and that's okay because you've done something amazing and that is more incredible and more of an accomplishment than I ever would have been able to achieve um, with eating disorder goals and I guess like see the photo for what it represents like this is you with your newborn baby that you've just grown and birthed like that's incredible so don't focus on your body in it but focus on life at the time of taking it kind of thing yeah and also just start reading about what your body has just done like it literally grew an extra organ to be able to feed your baby like that is insane and if you are breastfeeding it's still creating you know like milk for your baby you're literally keeping your baby alive and if you're not breastfeeding anyway like your body is still going through so many changes and hormones so just trying to be a bit more compassionate. Think what you would say to like a loved one. Like, what would I say to my sister? If she said something like that, I'd be like, oh my gosh, why would you ever think that? You've just done the most amazing thing. But yeah, sometimes we're not so kind to ourselves. Yeah, no, totally. If you want to be present baby, have energy to be with your baby, protect your recovery, you have to be eating enough. Like I know I have to take on so much food for my milk supply, for my energy to be present that kind of thing so I just try and focus on that now like what mum do I want to be not what do I want to look like because that's more important to me in line with my values and also your child doesn't care about that at all like they care about the love that you give them the connection you give them how you look at them in the eyes how you feed them how you cuddle them how you comfort them they have no idea about whether your body size is right or wrong in society's standards they just love you for you and that is just such an amazing thing I feel like my son has taught me so much about that about love like he gives me so much love that it's taught me so much about trying to love myself unconditionally oh my god 100 even like with Alfie not being here I feel like he's taught us so much like firstly just the level of love that I felt for him and Freddie like that was incredible but also I think with with Alfie not being here it taught me so much about perspective and just what's important and what's not and I feel like he's almost given that forward to Freddie as well because when we brought Freddie home I wasn't caring about some of the things which I know ordinarily would have completely stressed me out even down to like outfits I was putting him in or something like that I would have been trying to make everything perfect and had a really high standard for myself and I just didn't my standards were so low I just didn't care about anything I was like do you know what he's here we are so lucky and I love him so much. And yeah, I feel like just letting go of perfection, which I think Alfie has probably taught us, or at least taught me. My husband isn't particularly a perfectionist anyway. Yeah, I definitely feel like I've picked that up from him. It's really ironic, isn't it? How like you say you kind of dropping your standards of not expecting this perfection but actually it ends up raising the standards because you've done that because you're not focusing on the outfit being perfect or you know how kind of outwardly things might look but your connection to him and your love for him and your attunement with him is that much stronger because of it 
yeah absolutely it yeah it sounds really bad to say like oh I've, I've lowered my standards or I've lost my standards no but... don't worry we know he's being bad <laughs> actually like mental health wise it's yeah. been so much healthier I just feel I like can. I've let go of the fluff the stuff that just doesn't matter but which previously I would have been completely fixated on like I lived my life in a lot of the stuff that didn't matter definitely is there anything else that helped you postpartum um I think that I don't think you can prepare to be honest for bringing a baby home but preparing in any way that I could so food wise particularly making sure we had meals sorted so we've used um like a home delivery service a meal home delivery service so that food's just taken care of I don't have to think every day what are we having for dinner go to the shop that kind of thing so just being prepared like having especially around eating disorder risks like having food prepared taking that off your mind a little bit clothing as well like being prepared with clothing what you're going to wear when you come out of the hospital and you still have this baby bump for a little bit you know anything that could potentially be like a risk for relapse I feel like if you can prepare around it and honestly just accepting help in any way that you can like I was just like I'm not going to be a superhero here I'm not even going to try you know if people are willing to help me then just accepting that and like for us living away from home we don't have family close to us to be able to just pop in and help so we're lucky to be able to get help at home you know so just accepting that and if there are people who are going to cook for you or help you even even just helping with the housework so it frees you up a bit in the day you know to be with your baby to get some sleep if you need it yeah I just feel like accept any help that comes your way they say it takes a village I really have understood that saying now isn't it it really does you don't have to hold it all together yourself absolutely have all the help you need Yes, definitely. I I feel like I have a real issue with not wanting to burden people with my problems, like even emotionally, if I'm going through something emotionally, I always think, oh, no, don't don't tell that person because they've got a really busy time at work at the moment, or they're struggling themselves, or they're on holiday, they don't want to hear it. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely think I have it as kind of way of being. I wonder something with people with eating disorders like you know how we've got some personality traits that are really common, because I often start my sentence with, I'm really sorry, but do you mind? Like, and I wonder, I'm just wondering whether we, a lot of us feel that way or whether it's just women in general that we feel like we have to kind of do everything and be everything and that pressure. Be that superwoman. Did you feel it as well then with asking for help? I was really lucky that my mum came and stayed with me for the month after I had both of the kids. I did feel guilty, but at the same time, she made me feel really at ease quickly. And obviously I had my husband around as well. So I was lucky. But I think when she left and when he went back to work, I think that's when I found it tough. And I think it's like you said, just, you know, if you're in a position where you can get meals delivered or you can get friends to help out, even just hold the baby whilst you have a shower. That's exactly what I was just going to say, because I don't know for me, like having had the experience, like losing Alfie and then even with Freddie, he was born premature seven weeks early and that was an experience in itself like I felt like when I brought Freddie home I had to be so grateful which I was of course but so grateful and so besotted and in love with my baby that I never wanted to leave him and I actually genuinely did feel like that for a few weeks but then it got to the point where I did want to do things but I kind of felt like oh no if I say I want time to myself that means I don't love him enough like I had this idea in my head so even like relinquishing that and letting Bren take him for a bit or a friend take him for a bit what have you and so I can go out to the salon <laughs> or what one time I actually went for a bone scan 
And I drove there and it was like the best outing I have ever had. <laughs> like I listened to podcasts in the car on the way there and the way back. And I got home and I was like, I absolutely loved the last two hours. <laughs> it just felt absolutely brilliant. Everybody deserves that. Like I really relate to what you're saying because I obviously wanted to get pregnant for so long. So I feel really bad if, you know, and I think a lot of women feel like this. If, you know, that you had a tough night and you just want to say, I'm really tired it's okay. That doesn't mean you love your baby any less. Yeah, you're tired and you love your baby. Like the two things can exist at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And something else with like taking time for yourself, which I think I've learned from treatment is just the importance of having things for you and having balance in your life and not putting all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. Like you did with your eating disorder. Like for me, 95% of what I thought about in the day was my food, my body, controlling my body, you know, and part of recovery was decreasing that and replacing it with like a variety of things like relationships interests meaning job whatever it might be so I feel like with babies I'm already stumbling on how to say this because I don't want it to sound like I don't love my babies enough but not one thing can't be your everything and I think you still need to keep bits of you you know you need like a varied pie completely agree and also even if you want to think about your babies at the end of the day you know what they say like if your cup is not full that you can't pour from it and I think that's really true you need that little bit of time for yourself so that you can be everything you can be you know want to be for your little ones yeah that's so true actually because whilst Bren's had COVID like honestly hats off to solo parents people out there doing it on its own because I have struggled so much this week doing it all myself and just not having even that 30 minutes an hour to myself a day to just recharge my batteries a bit and do something that I enjoy so in terms of recovery around pregnancy Sophia are you glad that you kind of got to the recovered state that you were before trying to conceive definitely glad for so many different reasons I think that for me I wouldn't have been able to be as present had I still been stuck in my eating disorder and that's not for everybody but that's just my reality and I think that as people with eating disorders we keep such high standards for ourselves that to be honest I don't think we would have let anything slip for our kids Meg I don't think that they would have gone for without for anything the food would still be as good as it possibly could be they'd still be dressed and bathed and all the love we would have given them it wouldn't have changed because like I said, those standards are so high, but I don't know if I would have enjoyed the experience as much. Maybe I would have been more anxious about the lack of control or being able to fit around my kid's life, I think would have been tougher for me. So I think that if you have an eating disorder, that doesn't mean that you're not a great parent. I'm sure you're a fantastic parent and your kids are absolutely lucky to have you. I just mean, for me, I think I would have found it really challenging to enjoy it as much. What about you? Yeah, I totally can see what you're saying there. Like you deserve to enjoy the experience as well. And like being the perfect parent with an eating sort of like, where's the payoff? Like at what cost? And if it's your own personal experience, like if you're trying to role model unrestrictive eating to a child, but then restricting behind the scenes to allow for that kind of thing, like then like that's, that must be so difficult for you for your own personal experience and you deserve to enjoy it just as much as you're making you're allowing your children to enjoy it kind of thing and don't you think from your experiences looking back on your childhood as kids you pick up on everything like now when you reflect you're like oh that person 
didn't eat that or they did eat this. So you know your kids are going to be super aware and conscious of what you're doing, how much of a challenge it will be to do everything you can to make them not pick up on eating sort of because I know so many people, clients that I've worked with and spoken to, one of the biggest fears that they have is that their children might suffer. Uh, God forbid. And that must be really hard to do everything you can whilst you're struggling yourself. Yeah, I think I would have really, really struggled. Like I mentioned just how out of control everything kind of felt during pregnancy and during trying to conceive as well. Like that is so out of your control. And for me, one of the main purposes that I aim to sort of serve was control. I feel like you can't plan that well and you just have to be so flexible. And I, I just don't know how well I could have done that. Like even when I go to bed at night, I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get. I don't know when I can next wash my hair. And I know they're not food related, but in my eating disorder, I was even controlling and obsessive around those things. I needed to know exactly when I was going to wash my hair and what, what was coming up so that my hair would be perfectly washed for that next thing that was coming up. You know? And now I'm like, <laughs> leave them with puke down my t-shirt. <laughs> the joys of motherhood. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a journey, isn't it? But it's great. Being a mum is great. I hope we haven't put anybody off becoming a parent because it is the most joy I think I've ever felt in my life. But agree that also it's potentially some of the most challenging moments I've ever had in my life too. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing. It's just, I've definitely spotted a lot of potential relapse risks along the way. And I think it's just being aware of those. And if there are things that are going to trigger you, having help at hand or recognizing them in yourself and not being like, oh, I'm not recovered enough. So I have to like lie about this effectively and then fall down a hole. But no, like recognizing if something's going to be difficult for you and putting whatever it is you need in place to help you deal with that. Yeah, I think that's completely the message of the podcast. You just summed up beautifully there, Meg. Agreed by Freddie. <laughs> Freddie completely agrees. Whilst being bounced, Meg is doing this whilst bouncing him on a ball. I mean, <laughs> if that's not motherhood. Multitasking. <laughs> Multitasking, absolutely. So hope you enjoyed that podcast and it resonated with you. And hopefully you got some tips to take away if you are conceiving, pregnant or are a mum so let's kick off with our affirmations to end the session Meg do you want to go first uh, yeah sure so one I think is really relevant to the <coughs> entire journey of parenthood is don't give up on what you want the most for what you want in the moment because eating disorders are so now centric and so focused on how you feel right now and how can I feel okay right now but that in doing that you can lose sight of the bigger picture so like, for example, in pregnancy, if you're gaining weight and it's feeling uncomfortable, like that's okay. That's, it's a good thing. That's a healthy pregnancy. So you don't need to turn to your body and try to control it or try to control your food. Like you can feel uncomfortable in your body and it doesn't impact your eating decisions in any way. Love that. And mine is different bodies, different paths. If you are somebody who follows Meg, you definitely would have heard this a lot on her YouTube videos and it's something that I think is so important when you're pregnant, conceiving, because realizing that your journey is going to be different to everybody else's in today's society, when we are literally bombarded with social media about how our pregnancies should be, how our body should look, how we should feel, just be kind to yourself, honor your journey, know that it's going to be different to everybody else's. There's going to be as many journeys as there are people. And 
yeah, that's definitely one that I found helpful. Yeah, it's just, I've just remembered when I was pregnant with Alfie, there was another lady in the office who was pregnant at the same time as me. And people around the office used to compare our pregnancies and the bump sizes and that kind of thing. And I would say that in my head, like different bodies, different parts, you know, like she has a different body to me and it's irrelevant. It's so rude that people compare you and that it's socially acceptable. Like, that's so weird. It's so weird. I would say to myself, like, shape and size of my baby's home is nothing to do with me. Again, like, you give your pregnancy everything, your body, your baby, you eat well for it, and then the rest is not up to you. You surrender. Absolutely. Meg, lovely chatting to you as always. Hope this was helpful, everybody, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Rewired podcast. And thank you to Tallulah Self, our fabulous podcast editor and producer, whose details can be found in the show notes. You can find me, Meg, on Instagram at Megsy underscore recovery. And me, Sophia, at Sophia underscore ED recovery coach. We will use this space to share some of the things which have helped us in our own recoveries, but none of it should be taken as medical advice. If you're struggling, please seek help from a professional. See you on the next episode.